Welcome to another episode of the After Bedtime Podcast brought to you by the Black American Dad Foundation. Now, if you haven't been here, this is how it works. We travel the country getting into the hearts and into the minds of dads and talking with them about why it's important to dream. We share some stories and talk about how it is being dad and being a dreamer at the same time. The stories are incredible. The message is inspiring and hopefully you enjoy them as much as we do. Now, without further ado, here's the episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the After Bedtime Podcast. Uh, I'm Jeremy, and I'm here hanging out with Josh. Josh is here, coming from L.A., uh, stand-up comedian, actor, father, amazing father. Uh, Josh, what's up, man? Welcome back. Yes, sir. Good to be back, man. Good to be back on the platform, man. You know what I'm saying? I've seen, seen a lot of good things happen with you guys. I think on Father's Day, I saw you, uh, you guys got the, uh, was it, what was the partnership that you guys got on Father's Day? Tylenol. Yeah, yeah. Tylenol. Like, so shout yes. out to Tylenol. We are I'll grateful. Respond. We appreciate y'all. Shout out to BET. Thank y'all for believing in us, too. We had, you know, some great sponsors that are now supporting us at the Black American Dad Foundation. And it has been uh, a true blessing in every sense of the word to be able to be recognized for that. Um, been doing bad for 10 years and for somebody to be able to say, hey, we love what you're doing and seeing the work that you're doing uh, means a lot to me, means a lot to the people that work with the foundation too as well. Uh, it means a lot to, I would hope that like it means a lot to the dads that like there is this, I see now so much more than ever. And maybe you can speak to this too, is like, the media and the way that the movement towards like there needs to be more of a focus on black dads on fathers just in general but black dads specifically and i saw that all over father's day and I, it's it's something that's always um that i'm seeing within the media and stuff and i this was something that 10 years ago i felt like we needed to have a counter narrative too you know uh so much of what we hear about black fathers is controlled by you know uh, the media and, and musicians and, you know, uh, hearsay of stories from sibling or uh, not siblings, but like family members and things like that as kids and things like that. And there's so much that gets misconstrued about who the black dad is or what the black dad is doing. And uh, I always wanted to be a champion for showing the other side of it, not to take away from somebody that didn't have their father in their life, but I know great dads and I know that they deserve their recognition, their praise, their flowers. And we can't just blanket slate, you know, all black dads the same way. And so, you know, this movement, while it's, I feel like long overdue, I'm happy that there's more of a progression towards it. And, you know, with Tylenol, with BET, I hope that we're able to continue to trailblaze and push further and go beyond just like recognizing great dads, but even like now, like showcasing like what we can do as dads and, I want to know, like, what do you think about that? Like, how is your perspective on Father's Day and just everything that you've been catching up with and what you've done? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I feel the same. I feel like as as dads and as black dads, it's like everybody expects the least and almost the worst from us. And I feel like uh, in our generation, we're kind of like turning that tide to to kind of show like, you know, you know, you know, black dads are stepping up, um, always have been there, you know. But um, there's there's just not even resources for for us as, as versus dads and like black dads like there's not even resources out there for us. So you know what you guys are doing, even like highlighting that is going to bring light to that because sometimes it's really hard. Like um, people don't realize um, 
like I hear my friends talking all the time about, you know, issues they may be having with the mother of their child or custody issues and things like that. And people just assume like, oh yeah, the mom's gonna get whatever she wants in court or, you know, we we have no power, we have no say. And I just feel like, uh, you know, this will bring light to, you know, the people who actually want to be in the kid's life and be a force in the kid's life. It's like, you know, be, be a great dad. So I, I love that you guys are highlighting that, that, um, you know, the black American dad movement is freaking, it's, it's great, bro. It's honestly great. We're getting ah, well, it's only great because of guys like you, man. Like that's, that's really the inspiration. It's like, I wanted to be able to highlight dads like yourself and be like, here's this dad or this dad or this dad or this dad. So that it becomes so overwhelming that the narrative itself gets drowned by that. It's like, you can't say this anymore because there's so much that shows to the counter and that, you know, it just shows that like where we've gone, we've done, we still got a lot of work to do. There still is a lot of progression to do. And there's still a lot of dads that we can help and show them that they could be the best versions of themselves too, which is one of the reasons why we built this after bedtime podcast was also to highlight you know, dads like yourself to show, you know, Josh is doing so many amazing things and being dad at the same time. Josh is still Josh, but he's also dad. And yeah. so without further ado, I want to tell me about it. Like what's, what's been going on in your world? What you've been working on with comedy? What's every, how has everything been going? Oh man. No. So, um, you know, I just recently started, um, a monthly room out in Lake forest that I've been booking since like, uh, I think like February or March. And over the, like the past two months, we've just been selling it out. That's uh, like, yeah, like the last, I think last month, not a, like this month on the 19th was our last show and it was standing room only. Like it was just, it was crazy to see, you know, me grow this room from, from this little dive bar to like, you know, maybe a couple of people to now it's like just standing room only in the place. And um, my goal with it is like, I want to bring, you know, I live in Orange County and um, I want to bring, you know, more black comedians male female trans whatever i want to bring uh, more black comedians to orange county to like kind of expose that demographic to you know our version of comedy as well and i like, kind of mix the pots up a little bit so um seeing that room fill up with um with the um the mixture of comedians that I'm, i've been producing it uh it feels great so that's been like my main focus lately i'm also you know, I just uh, linked up with my my boy Brandon. We're gonna be working on like my finally starting work on like some thirty minute specials. Start putting those out on a monthly basis. See if I could keep that cadence up. But I'm gonna just start with one and see where it goes. You know what I mean? Nice. I, you know, but uh, that's been like pretty much my focus lately, and that and just just you know general work stuff. But um, as far as the comedy, I'm just trying to grow this room and you know got to get some more content out because you know content's king right now. Yeah, uh, are with the bar. Are you promoting and doing stand up? Are you just are you just doing stand up, or like what is your role in that growth? And kind of take us through like what were some of the things you did to kind of that sparked that idea to to grow that. Well, I had a so I crashed my car in March, totaled it. Um, mm. R.I.P. 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 to whip. Oh no, man. <laughs> So, but you know, it wasn't my fault. I'm dealing with the door, the lawyers trying to get that resolved right now. Should be getting new one soon. But so I, I was Ubering to LA to do a lot of shows. Spent about like 150 to get there, another 150 to get home after the show. Um, to only get there and find out that my set was cut down to two minutes from seven minutes. And I was going up like second before last um, after like 16 people. 
So, um, you know, you like the culture for upcoming comedians. And I, and I get it. We all have to grind. You know, everybody has to grind. You have to do your time, pay your dues. Sure. But um, there's just like a little to no respect for people's time. And I feel like, yeah, an open mic, yeah, beg, beg for that time to get on stage. But if you file audition or you have me on your roster or you contact me to book me, um, then at least give me a drink ticket. <laughs> you know what I mean? At least shoot me a drink ticket or two. But, um, you know, we, we don't get drink tickets for the most part coming up. Um, very rarely do you get paid. Uh, there's just pressure on you to bring people to the show. And when people come, they have to pay two item minimums. So they're making, they're guaranteeing their money. They have to pay for their ticket, which is usually like 10 to $25. So they're making money at the door. And then they're making money off of these, uh, off the drinks and beverages. And uh, all the comedians get is seven minutes of stage time in front of their friends and family, whoever comes in. So I'm, I'm trying to change the culture with my shows to make sure that I'm like, uh, you know, everybody gets paid. Um, I, I, I offer my comedians, you know, 10 minutes. My headliners do like 20, 15 to 20 minutes. And um, that's really, really unheard of because most shows you're going to get like five, max seven minutes or they'll give you an extra minute for every person you bring. So I just kind of want to shift that um, that culture of the, you know, the bringer culture where it's like bring a person, get a minute, bring another, get another minute. You know what I mean? Just because uh, it doesn't make comedians really excited to do your shows. And I want comedians to be excited to do my shows and, um, you know, have a good vibe and not have people, you know, stressing about how they're going to get there. or Do they have gas money or, you know, because most people are starving artists, you know what I'm saying? So 10, 20 bucks, 30 bucks is really not much when you're making, you know, five, 10,000 off the bar, 2,000 off the bar alone. So like it's the least you can do yeah 100 percent. it seems like that makes a lot of sense and i don't know too much about that space but it, you know in hearing you talk about this i hear so much of like a, a dad you approach this the way a dad would solve a problem like it's like i don't like the way they're treating you fine i will do this over here i'm gonna do this myself i can get this set up and i can do these things for these people have have you noticed being a dad has helped you in in your career path and like what are if that is true like what are some of the attributes that you have seen that you use to be able to guide your daughter through her journey uh which she's in vegas right now right like having fun yeah. with her mom uh, yeah. uh what are some of the things that you have seen that have been attributes to use on a daily basis with your daughter uh, that now you see in my home, like I could apply this skill set also here. Yeah, I mean, first off, after being a dad, it, you can't do anything for free because uh, you know time, <laughs> time spent is money spent. So, and you know, most of my time, my free time is probably going to go to my dog or like trying to build my craft. So, if you're asking me to do something for free, I'm like, ah, what? Got to weigh the scales. But I feel like. Um, and just looking at every opportunity as to like how is this going to push forward whatever i'm trying to do and you know whether that's in comedy or in my career um and that's what i try to convince my my convince what i try to preach to my daughter a lot is just you know like what what you focus on is what you're gonna ultimately like what's going to surround you you know so with the phones and everything like a lot of times she's all on her phone or she wants TikTok or you know she's like i i want to um 
like always asking me like uh to buy apps and stuff like that and i'm like oh my like you you spend a lot of time on that phone you could be putting that towards things that you actually want like she wants to do fashion she likes dance you know but she doesn't like putting her energy towards it so i think just that's one contrast that um i brought with me is just being able to um make sure whatever my focus is that it's actually pushing me forward and it's not just you know holding me in a stagnant place and i know she's only 11 so i know everything i say goes one in one ear and out the other but i hope it like sticks somewhere in between there it's like over the years she always oh, you know i could do that you know so i was just actually talking to another dad about this about like the in one ear and out the other kind of aspect of uh the consistency and how you have to be really consistent with your communication. You have to be really consistent uh, with your principles uh, in order to be consistent with your communication. How, your daughter's 11. Yeah. How, have, how, if there were principles that you tried to instill into your daughter, what are those principles? And then how have those principles impacted you um, in your professional life in, in comedy in, and what you do with SEO, but really specifically like comedy, because that's where I feel like, like that's your lane. That's what you really want to like chase after. Um, what are some of those principles that you choose to live by that you instill time and time again uh, into your daughter? Yeah, I would say it's like, say what you mean and mean what you say. It's like the mm -hmm. biggest, like say what you mean and mean what you say. And basically to me, that just, that translates to like, if you tell somebody you're going to do something, if you, um, if you make a commitment to an engagement, um, then follow through on that. And, and if you, you know, say vocalize something to somebody, you, you could always take your, you know, you could always change your opinion, but once your mind is made up, keep your mind made up. Don't, don't backtrack. And I feel like that, definitely helps me out in my career makes me think about what i'm saying or what i'm committing myself to before i do it i'm like mm, do i really want to do this do i really want to go to this place you know do i really like these people instead of just being like yeah yeah okay yeah yeah because a lot of a lot of people in their careers in comedy or whatever your careers i see it all the time people would just say yes to everything whether it's like you're working at a marketing agency or you're working at a grocery store and they think just saying yes to everything is what will propel you in your career. And a lot of times, just, just because you're available, that's going to keep you working. But action doesn't always equate progress. You know what I'm saying? So mm. a lot doesn't mean you're going anywhere. You could do a lot and stay in one place. So I try to just instill that in my daughter and just, just make sure whatever you're doing is, you know, what you're doing is pushing forward. And if you commit to something, follow through. Like, I don't let her, she did dance and she went to like quit in the middle of the semester because um, the school she was going to was like predominantly Asian. She's like, they always, they always speak in Korean. I don't know what they're saying, Danny. I was like, you're not. I was like, Amaya, if those girls don't like you, then those girls don't like you. If they don't want to teach you no Korean, then okay, I want to teach you no Korean. Go in there and learn how to do a, a clie. Come back, you know, learn, learn dance. <laughs> and at the end of the semester, if you want to quit and try something else, you can, you know, but we don't, we don't quit in the middle because you, you made a commitment. And I've, I've already spent my money. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, facts. I already spent my money. So there's no refunds. You just got to do it. Got to do it. I, I need my pictures. I lay recital, but yeah, I just think a lot of people do that. Just commit to what you're going to do. How has uh, she been, I mean, you never really have shared like any of like 
obstacles or, you know, and I remember in a previous podcast, you said that a lot of like comedy can come from like difficult times in your life and difficult things that happen to you. And that's, you can really, you know, turn that into something like really beautiful. And um, how has the, the challenges of being in a co-parenting situation and how com how's comedy been like that safe haven for you? Or is it a safe haven for you? Uh, I would say it's mixed. It depends. <laughs> Sometimes it depends on the political state of the world. Make <laughs> uh, <laughs> a joke about women. You just kind of want to keep that one too. So no matter what you say, <laughs> wrong. So I would, uh, but I, I definitely speak about it a lot on stage. Um, I try to, you know, not so much vent, but just, I try to just tell my story and like my viewpoint of things on stage, you know, whenever I can. But I would say, um, you know, keep it. I try to keep it respectful. You know, I feel like a lot of comedians with people, but for the most part, yeah, it just depends on the on the state of the world right now. You know, women are going through a lot, so I kind of I've been staying away from from the baby mama jokes. <laughs> yeah, you're like, uh, I'm not gonna make any jokes right now because I don't want to get my head ripped off. And I get that. I completely understand that aspect. What? So, what's in your heart right now? Like, what are some of the things you said you're working on? A couple of 30 minute sets that you're gonna be rolling through, and you don't have to give us any of your material. I don't want you to have to release it before you release it. But what are some of the things that you can think themeology wise that are like, what's on your mind? Like, what is something that you do like want to share? What you want to talk about? Yeah, man, I want to tap, like a lot of times people want to hear about like my handicap jokes and want to hear me talk about like what's wrong with me because when you visually see me, I don't look like I'm impaired at all. Uh, but, you know, something broke my neck. These things happen. So people are always curious, but man, what's wrong with this guy? So I always have to address that. But I want to, what I'm trying to talk about in my special is more so like my childhood, my full story, like, you know, my, my origin story, the villain origin story, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I want to go back to like, you know, how I grew up and, you know, things I had to go through with my mom and, you know, being on Section 8 and or being on Section 8 and, in a, uh, in a rich neighborhood, you know, people don't realize like, yeah, it's, you could, you know, when you're in the hood and everybody's poor, but imagine being poor in Irvine where these kids are driving around in BMWs in high school. It's like, man, I'm real poor. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. It's, it's different type of poor. Like I remember my, uh, my aunt would make us, she would make us, um, she would make us drink evaporated milk. Like we go to her house, she would never have milk because we was, you know, we was, we was down bad for a little while. She was like, uh, "But he was that powder milk boy," and I'm like, "Oh man, I, you know what I'm saying? Like stuff like that." I want to tap into like that that part of my 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 childhood and like lead up to like from there and how I got here. So I want to like break it up into parts, um, lead up to uh, where I am now. How I got here yeah. now and reassess, I guess. How has your journey impacted you as a dad? I would say, uh, you know, just going through so much, not to like sound like a victim, but just going through what I've gone through. Um, there's not, first off, I don't have a, I have a, I have a low threshold with shit. So, you know, if she starts crying or, you know, she starts beating ass at me, I'm like, baby girl, you have it amazing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you're not walking to school. You have lunches. You're not eating the free cheese lunch. You're not, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can backpack every year, all that stuff. Um, but I would say that uh, just, and then again, like going through what I did go through as a kid with my mom or, you know, stuff that I put my own self through, 
it it makes me want more for my daughter so it's like i i want to change the things that i wish i could have changed you know like when you're a kid you sit there and you're like man i wish i could go to disneyland with my family you know i want to i want to do those things for her. so i would say that definitely makes me want to not so much be a better parent but i just want to be um i want to fill in the gaps and try to you know take what i learned from my parents and you know and double up double down on them how do you how do you feel about like cause i see her so much you was like you're what i take away so much from you josh is like you're a problem solver like you can see a problem and you're immediately thinking how can i fix this how can i how can i solve it for those dads out there that don't have that skill set how did you how do you how do you come to that you know like you you look at these things through and you're very reflective of your life and i feel like a, a comedian and art who is an artist you are an artist in yourself with that you have to be very reflective uh and it and it is expressed in a certain way uh based off of your reflection how how did you step out of yourself like that how were you able to become so like introspective and problem solving like what what did you feel were like key elements of that and then transition that into like how did how did that how did that apply to you as a dad well i think uh just no one is gonna do it for you um mm. and yeah you know, I mean, my mom would tell us all the time when we were kids she's like you need to know when you step outside of that door you're not my baby you're a little black boy. The world does not give a fuck about you. And it sounds harsh, but when you walk out knowing that, that, um, and she said it again to me when I broke my neck, she was like, Josh, when you leave this hospital, no one's going to give a fuck that you're handicapped. So you're going to have to pull your pants up and figure your shit out. So I think just, just knowing, just always having that preached to me, not in a sense like no one loves you, you know, people love me, but you know, no one, no one cares about your problems and no one's here to help you with your problems. So once people realize, especially dads, that it's all in your control, um, Google is there, there's, you know, there's stuff out there, information's out there, but no one's going to bring anything to you. No one's going to beg you for to help you. Um, like, you know, I've, 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 um, you know, I've, I've mentored a few people in my industry for like marketing or whatever. And I tell people all the time, it's like, um, you know, I, I could teach you everything, but I'm not going to chase you to pay you. Like, I'm not going to chase anybody to pay them. So like that same mentality, I feel like as dads, we have to apply it to ourselves. Like I hear a lot of dads crying about how like the baby mom won't let them see the kid or, you know, she's doing this or she's doing that. And I always say, take her ass to court, go get that paperwork, you know, like you do, do, do your job. No one's going to help you. No one's going to do it for you. So I think me as a dad, um, I kind of like preach that to my daughter too. I was like, you gotta, like, sometimes she'll ask me a question. I'll be like, why don't you go try to f figure that out first? Or she'll ask me something on how to do something. And I'll say, why don't you check on YouTube? Why don't you try to learn how to do this? You know, tap into that because, you know, we're not always going to be there as parents to hold their hands. So they got to, you know, kids have to figure out how to do things on their own as much as they can. Like, I don't, I think now um, during the summer, during the school year, I make breakfast, but during the summer, I think the only meal that I cook for my daughter is dinner. But when it comes to I buy our waffles, she has, you know, oatmeal, she has, you know, all the quick, right. 
air fryer. We got Uncrustables, you know, Top Ramen, everything, you know, all the quick stuff. And I showed her how to use it. I'm like, look, you're going to, you know, I got to work during the day. You don't have school. You're going to be here all day, you know. So figure it out. You're 11 years old. You know what I'm saying? Like she'll wake up like, daddy, what are we doing today? I was like, I'm going to work. <laughs> you're going to turn on the air fryer. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> you're going to figure it out today. Like, you're going to figure it out. <laughs> got you on dinner, little mama. But yeah, I think that's just how that applies. Yeah. Got you. Yeah, so much of that is like empowering and like that's the stage, you know, with your daughter being 11, my son is eight and I'm starting to see like that I'm getting that itch as well in, in the sense of like you got to you got to start to figure out how to solve your own problems and n- not every problem, but yeah. you need to start figuring out like with smaller things, like how can you solve this problem? Because it is very empowering. Um for them to be able to do that. And as they continue to grow, it becomes easier for them and it becomes second nature for them to be like, okay, here's a situation, here's a problem. All right, this is how I solve this problem. And that, you know, that be, that's where you win as a dad. It's like, oh good. Yeah. Like if you're able to solve your issues yourself and you don't necessarily always need me, of course, you're always gonna be there. It's like, if you really need me, I'm here. You know to be able to help you through it but having that skill set to be able to be a problem solver uh, i think is so vital in the trajectory of where your child's going to be able to go in life because there's so many obstacles and so many challenges and uh even seeing you walk go through those challenges throughout the course of your life i feel like it's probably been such a huge um contributor to how she approaches things too and like maybe she doesn't realize it fully now but as she gets older she's going to start to look back and see like oh my dad's done a lot been through a lot and found a way uh to get it done um is there something that sticks out to you the most about comedy that grabbed your attention with it first like when you first realized i wanted to be i wanted to be a comedian kind of take us through that yeah i would say like um Eddie Murphy. I remember my mom that's in the last podcast she would play Eddie Murphy raw in the car and just hearing as, as a kid, being able to relate to Eddie Murphy, you know what I'm saying, about a story that he's telling about his childhood and me as a kid being able to relate to that, I've always thought that was cool. And I feel like that's what I think, like, you know, that's what brings me to comedy. It's like the goal is to make people feel normal about whatever the fuck they're going through. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I think you know, everybody, everybody has shit. Everybody has weird quirks and weird shit. Whether it's something that you went through or whether it's something that you observed or thought that you had, like coming from a comedian standpoint, if you can express that in a way that makes somebody in the one or two, three people in the crowd feel like, oh man, I've thought that, I felt that, I've gone through that. Then, man, you're doing your job because now you're bringing people to your world. They're seeing the world through your eyes. Like, man, okay, we're kind of going through the same thing. They feel normal. They don't feel like is isolated by whatever they're going through. So I would say that's definitely one, like the major thing that brought me, brought me to comedy that appealed to me. Just being able to do that. So you're on to, you've done seven minutes, you've done, or you've done open mics, you've done seven minutes, you've done 15 minute sets. You're working now on 30 minute sets. Where is, is that, is, take us through like, how do you feel about being on stage for 30 minutes and being able to, and coming from, you only got two minutes or you only got three minutes. You only can, you you know, like take us through that. Like, what does that feel like to be like, man, I'm at this point now where I'm really working on like 30 minute sets. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of wild. Cause it's like, 
it's like um imagine being a backup quarterback and you only get to come in for um the fourth quarter when you guys are up by 20 and you crush it every time you come in but you only get that little window and then the um you know the starting quarterback gets injured and you get to play the whole game that's what it feels like it's like okay well i'm finally put my whole bag together put my whole bag on the table and just see what happens see what i really got you know what i mean because it's like oh, i keep getting like these little tastes oh, i've done 15 done 10 it's like but i wish i could bring it all together kind of like a symphony you know what i'm saying and like kind of do the full magic trick for people so i'm i'm kind of excited to see it play out I feel like it's going to be a major test and like a milestone for myself to say, okay, man, if I could do this stuff, if I could do 30 minutes, then I got something, you know? I mean, even having like five or 10, I have a friend, um, a comedian friend. He um, he told me when I first started out that, man, if you could get 10 minutes, you're golden. He said, I've been making about five grand a month off the same 10 minutes set for, for like 10, 15 years. I'm like, all right. So, you know what I mean? But yeah, I yeah. think that be a great experience to see this 30 minutes come to, together wow well listen man we don't want to take up too much more of your time thank you so much again get this is the last thing we like to do shout out yourself tell people where they can find you where they can find out about uh the show that you're doing where it is everything and all things josh like right now yeah yeah so uh you know josh about my uh, ig all my social platforms is watch josh win uh we do a monthly show through my brand creative control at um, our place in Lake Forest. Our place in Lake Forest. It's the third Tuesday every month. Great comedians. This month we got Memphis Will coming out. Another comedian named Tron. Comedians that perform like all over Netflix, Hulu, you know, um, all different type of platforms. And if you're a comedian, you want to come out, um, there's a link in my bio for um, comedians to sign up for, uh, for stage time. Uh, you don't get paid for the open mic, but if I book you, everybody eats, baby. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. But uh, yeah, man, I appreciate the time. Uh, definitely, it's always a always a pleasure. Pull man, up. thank you so much. It's always a pleasure talking with you too, and we are excited to see you win. And we can't wait to sit and watch Josh win, man, and keep these wins coming. Yes, sir. Man, you got to come out to a show soon, boss. Yes, for sure. Like now that I know that you're doing that, I saw that on IG actually. And I reshared it on on bad that you had had a show. I I'm down. Me, I mean, I love watching like stand up comedy. So like that would be fun for me to come down to. It's in Lake Forest, right? Like, is that in Orange County? Yeah, yeah Lake Forest. Yeah, come down, come out, man. I'll take care of you. All right, bet. I it's it, it's settled then. I will be there. All right, Josh. Well, you have a good day, brother. We'll talk to yeah, you soon. Boss. Thank you for listening to another episode of the After Bedtime Podcast brought to you by the Black American Dad Foundation. Hopefully you enjoyed the stories of a father daring to dream. Now, if you do have somebody that's in mind that you think could fit our show or you have some questions about the Black American Dad Foundation, you want to learn more, you want to donate to the Black American Dad Foundation, email us at blackamericandad at gmail.com. Subject line it after bedtime and then go into a little bit about what you want to know. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much again and have a good night.